0: Welcome to Audio Drama Showcase by Legend Smith Productions. I'm Scooter, and with me are Michelle Morrison, Hello, David Allen, Hi, Verity Saint Marie, Salutations, and Mama Mama Max, Bubba Bubba Baskin, <sighs> Hi, No, Yeah, Okay, That Was Max. Don't forget to check us out over at Patreon under Legend Smith Productions. The show is brought to you thanks to the support of our wonderful patrons. And today we'll be listening to The Byron Chronicles, which premiered in 2006 and is created by Eric L. Bugsby. This originally started off as a one-off episode in an anthology series called Night Terrors. It started off as a series of books that Eric wanted to write back in the 90s. After running into many rejections, when querying publishers, he decided to rework the story as the script for an audio drama. This episode is called Sam, ...and it was originally published in 2008. Okay, let's get started. You're listening to Audio Theatre in a Darker Shade. This is
1: DarkerProjects.com. Now our feature presentation.
2: When I was a little girl, most of the stories I read started with... ...once upon a time and ended with... ...they lived happily ever after... I guess once upon a time is as good an opening as I'm going to come up with, so here goes. Once upon a time, everyone in the small town of Blackthorn, Vermont went insane. Everyone that is, except me. I'm getting ahead of myself, I I need to go back some, explain how all of this started. My name is Samantha Beale or Sam for short. In college, I studied journalism, with a dream that after graduation, I would one day work for one of the big newspapers or news networks. So, how did I end up in Blackthorn? <laughs> Easy. I-, I followed a boy here. Ever done something stupid and regret it later? They say hindsight is twenty twenty, and if I could do it all over again, I would definitely have gone after my chosen career. But when I was dating Steven... Well, I believed I'd found my one true love. (laughs) Anyway, long story short, three weeks after moving here, we broke up, and lo and behold, I was stuck here without a penny to my name. I was able to find a job at the local hardware store. My plan was simple, I would save enough money to get out of this podunk town and go somewhere big, like New York, LA, maybe London. But my college loans started coming due, and between paying rent and them, I wasn't able to save a whole lot of money. So, here it is, three years later, and I am still stuck in Blackthorn. It was the morning of September 13th that I had my first encounter with events that would change my life.
3: Fear! Fear! For you face your own destruction! The hour of judgment is upon you all. The first ones are returning. They will look upon the works of God and cast them into the fires of damnation! Oh, kittens. Do not take my words lightly, child. Leviathan has risen and is here now. She is making the way clear for the others. None shall stop them, for what once was theirs shall be theirs again.
2: That's nice. Can you get out of my way? I'm late for work.
3: Work? Your works should be your own salvation. Do you truly wish to be cast into hell's labyrinth with the rest of God's works? For that is what awaits you if you do not heed my words.
2: Oh, gee, I'm going to hell. I hope they have marshmallows there.
3: (laughs) Marshmallow?
2: You know, eternal fire and all that. I figure I can toast a few marshmallows while I'm there. Hey, if they have chocolate and graham crackers, maybe I can make s'mores while I'm down there, too.
3: Do not mock me, Samantha Beale.
2: How do you know my name?
3: I am Leviathan's emissary. I know all, including the emptiness that dwells within your heart.
2: Oh, for the love of... I'm out of here.
3: You have been warned. Your very soul is at risk of damnation.
2: Look, if it gets you out of my way, I repent the sin of God and creation. Can I go now?
3: Then you are now one of the saved. Go forth, into your new life.
2: Gee, thanks. You have a nice day too. See ya. Okay, that was weird. Good morning, Sam. See so you've met Blackthorne's new prophet. Uh, morning, Maggie. Where the hell did that guy come from? I've never seen them around before. It's
1: the damn stones. They
2: drag the crazies from all over the country. The stones Maggie was referring to were a series of stone pylons positioned at five different points surrounding the town of Blackthorn. Since they had first been uncovered in the late 70s, it had attracted a group of folks from tree-hugging hippies to New Age clerics, all believing that the stones had some mystical properties. Yeah, maybe, but he knew my name. He knew mine,
1: too. But how? He may have been fishing in the dumpster out back and came across our names on a piece of paper, but I'm gonna guess it's the name tag you have pinned to your jacket. What? Oh! Uh,
2: yeah, that must be it. <laughs> He's just a nutter, Sam. Ignore him. But why is he out front of the store? Can't we just run him
1: off? The sidewalk is town property. From a legal point, he can stand out there all day long and preach doom and gloom to his heart's content. Look at the bright side. Maybe with him out there, no one will come in and we'll have ourselves a nice quiet day.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Could do with a quiet day. So, did you do anything fun last night? Nah, stayed in. Watched some news show about the riots in Portland. They're claiming everything was just mass hysteria. You really should get out more. You have such a pretty face. You shouldn't waste your evening watching TV. Maybe when I start making more money, I'll go out some. But right now, it's all I can do to afford my rent. I can't afford to start dating. Back in my day, the boys paid for everything. Well, it's a new millennium. The dating rules have changed. So I keep hearing. Damn
1: shame, really. Anyways... I think it's time we opened.
2: The day went by uneventfully. Unless, of course, you consider the nut job standing out front yelling at people as they passed him by. As Maggie had predicted, he had proven to be enough of a deterrent to keep the store empty. It was a little past four when it started. What, what is that? An earthquake!
1: It, it's gotta be an earthquake!
2: But we're on the East Coast. We don't have earthquakes like this, do we?
1: We do now!
2: The quake ended as quickly as it had begun. Several tools and items had been knocked loose from the shelves. But for the most part, there was no damage.
3: It has begun! The hour of judgment is upon you all! Oh, I wish he'd just leave.
2: You okay, Maggie? Maggie? Hey, Maggie? You alright? Something was very wrong with Maggie. At first I thought maybe something had fallen off one of the shelves and had hit her in the head. But as I got closer, I could see she was standing still, swaying slightly from one foot to the next. She was looking at the floor. As I called out her name, she turned around. Maggie? You... You alright? Eat. I'm going to eat you.
1: Eat your pretty
2: face. Maggie tackled me and knocked me to the floor. Her face was contorted in rage and joy. She was foaming at the mouth like a rabid animal. More than once she tried to bite me. You have a pretty face, Sam.
1: It's why all the boys in town want to stick it in you. Stick it in
2: so deep. Do it till you bleed. (laughs) I tried to get out from under her, but her weight kept me pinned down. I reached out with one of my hands, trying to find something. Anything I could use to defend myself. My hands grasped a small hammer. I brought it down hard on Maggie's head.
1: (laughs) It hit me. Hit me good and hard, you little slut. I like it. It feels so good.
2: good. Come on, hit me again! What is wrong with you? I hit her again and again and again, <laughs> all the while she was laughing and moaning like this was some depraved sexual act to her.
1: Yes, make me bleed more. Don't stop just when I'm getting into it. You got me so close. Oh, I'm almost there. More! More! <laughs>
2: Get off of me! With one final blow to the side of her head, Maggie tumbled off of me and collapsed to the floor. (laughs) And there she stayed. I quickly got to my feet, holding the blood-spattered hammer in my hands. And that's when I heard the screams from outside. Slowly, I walked to the closest window. The first thing I saw was a mother who was swinging her baby around like a baseball bat. She gripped its feet and slammed it repetitively into the foot of the car until its head burst. All the while, she was laughing. A man was walking down the center of Main Street carrying a shotgun. He was shooting out the windows of all the stores and at anyone who came close to him. But they seemed to mind. Everyone who he shot started laughing as if this was some big joke. After the second shot, they stopped laughing. Another man used a chainsaw to drop a little boy's arm. Teenage girls being raped in the road. A woman was eating the remains of what might have been a cat. The only thing they all had in common were laughing like maniacs. I was scared. I quickly locked the front door and brought down the steel shutters, not that this would really stop anyone if they were determined to get in. I had to get away, away from what was happening. It was like the world was ending and I was the only one still sane. I ran back to the shop and opened up the door that led to an alley. I didn't see anyone outside, so I ran. I could still hear the screams and laughter, but I didn't care. I was getting out of here. ...away from town. I ran as fast as I could. Faster than I had ever ran before. Had no idea where I was going, just that I had to get away from town... I had to get away before someone found me and tried to kill me again. I was heading towards open country when I hit the barrier. It had been growing dark, but for some reason the sky had been turning green. I had not paid it any attention. My goal at the time had been to escape. But the further I got away from town, the greener the sky turned. And as I came over a small hill, I discovered why that was. It was a massive wall of fire made of green flames. The fire stretched as far as I could see and so high into the night sky that I couldn't really tell where it ended. Oh, now what the hell is happening? I stepped closer to the flames. I expect to feel some kind of heat coming off the barrier, but the closer I got to it, the colder I got. How could that be? Cold fire? I never heard anything like that. That's when the voices began. Sam... Sam... Come to us. Come
4: into the fire. You are one of us. You
2: have given yourself over. Come to us. Oh, forget this! I started running again, away from the wall of flames and the voices. I ran into the night. After I'd gotten some distance from the fire, I tried to find another way out of town. But everywhere I went, I came up against the green flames and the haunting voices from within. Come, Stan. Your soul belongs with us. Come into the fire. It didn't take me long to figure out. That the flames were surrounding Blackthorn, cutting us off from the outside world. I had to hide. It was the only option I had. Question was, where? In the end, I chose the local library. It was on the outskirts of town and a large building. I figured I could hide in the basement until all of this passed. If it passed. I ran quickly up the steps and threw open the door. It was very dark with the power off, there was only soft green glow from the fires that illuminated everything. I clutched my hammer close to me as I slowly made my way inside. Many of the books had been knocked off of the shelves, no doubt by the earthquake. However, so far I didn't see anyone else in here. Maybe I'd be lucky. Maybe I could get downstairs and... As soon as I heard the footsteps my heart started racing about to turn and run when he stepped out from behind one of the bookcases. A man dressed in a long black coat with a deathly pale complexion. He was flipping through the pages of a book.
5: It's quite all right. I'm not going to hurt you. Useless. Well, nothing ventured and all that. Uh,
2: I... I...
5: Yes, I know. Things are very strange. People are killing one another. There is a big green fire surrounding the town. And they're out of rice pudding at the supermarket.
2: You're... You're not crazy.
5: My brother might beg to differ on that. However, yes, for the most part, I'm not crazy.
2: But how?
5: I could ask the same of you.
2: Are you the librarian?
5: Librarian? No, I think that's him over there. What's left of him at any rate.
2: Oh, kittens. They... They ripped him apart.
5: He's not the only one. Ran into two more over by American history and another in the children's section. I really don't want to see that one. I wouldn't worry though. They seem to have left.
2: Uh, who are you? Why are you here?
5: I'm Byron. And I'm looking for a book. A book? Yes, one they don't seem to have. I would have been surprised if they did. But never mind that. Who are you?
2: Sam. I... I mean, it's Samantha Beale. But everyone calls me Sam.
5: Okay, Sam. First thing you need to do is take a deep breath and calm down. You're safe for the moment. The mob's not trying to break in and everything's fine.
2: Fine? What about that green fire outside?
5: I do admit that's a little odd. That's why I came.
2: What? You mean you came from outside the fire? Is there a way out?
5: Yes, I came from outside the fire and no, there is not a way out. Not anymore. But I'll figure something out.
2: That must be why everyone's gone insane. The fires are doing it.
5: Not exactly. It's a mystical flame. If anything, it's feeding off them. The more violent they become, the greater the fires burn.
2: Mystical? You mean, like magic? (laughs) There's no such thing as magic.
5: So how do you explain the fire?
2: I I don't know. Maybe it's some kind of chemical weapon. You know, like in the movies or something.
5: That's a good guess. Absolutely rubbish, but it's still a good guess.
2: Oh, come on. How can you expect me to believe this is something magic?
5: How do you explain the voices in the fire? I take it you've heard them.
2: I heard... something. I don't know what it was.
5: I don't know either. Not yet, anyway. What's happening to everyone in this town is a little like Tourette's Syndrome. Everyone has begun acting purely on primitive impulses without the benefit of conscience or decency to regulate their behavior. So...
2: It's forcing them to do all those horrible things. Not
5: forcing. The civilized parts of their minds have shut down, so they've simply gone back to something more savage.
2: Okay, let's say the fire isn't causing this. What is it, then? Ah,
5: a very good question. Now, where was that map? Ah,
2: there it is. Come along. There was a large map of Blackthorn pinned to the wall. Byron tore it down and laid it out on a nearby table. Then he pulled a large green magic marker from his coat.
5: There are five stone pylons that surround this town, Loked. Here, 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 and here.
2: Yes, I've seen them. Are they important?
5: Very. The emerald flame is being projected out of them. What? From up in the sky, the flames look like this.
2: Isn't that a pentagram?
5: Exactly. The projected flames form a giant pentagram with this town court in midsection.
2: Doesn't that mean this is something satanic?
5: Satanic? How do you come by that?
2: Well, isn't the pentagram a satanic symbol?
5: No. A lot of religions use the pentagram symbol. Christians used to use it to represent the five wounds of Christ. Wiccans, Taoism... Even Jewish faiths have used pentagrams.
2: Meaning what?
5: Meaning just because the flame has created a pentagram does not mean we're dealing with Mr. Logan.
2: Uh, who's Mr. Logan?
5: Story for another time. Right now, I'm more concerned about what's happening at the center of the pentagram.
2: The center? I thought that's where we were.
5: We're in the middle section, yes, but all the energy that the pylons are gathering up is being channeled right here. This park right at the center of Blackthorn. Whatever is causing this has to be there.
2: I'm still having a hard time believing this.
5: I know this isn't easy. You're having to face something most humans never deal with. But magic is real. What is going on outside is real.
2: Okay. What's in the center?
5: I don't know. Not yet.
2: Is there anything we can do about it? Uh, Maybe turn it off.
5: Well, I need to go to the park and find out what's causing this.
2: Given that... Whatever that is... Has made everyone go bat crazy... Maybe it'd be better if we just stayed away.
5: Stayed away? and I'll never know what did this.
2: Would that really be a bad thing?
5: A bad thing? A bad thing? Of course it would be a bad thing! This isn't just going to fix itself, it'll probably get worse!
2: So why do we have to fix it?
5: because that's the kind of thing I do. Besides, if I don't, there is a good chance it'll muck up everything I've been working towards, and I'm not in the mood to start over again.
2: With that, Byron slid the marker back into his jacket and started walking towards the front doors. And after tossing them open, he looked back at me.
5: Mind you, you don't have to come along, but given that you have that tattoo, you might want to tag along.
2: Tattoo? What are you talking about?
5: Take a look at your left wrist.
2: I rolled up my coat sleeve and I held up my arm. Upon my left wrist was a strange symbol. One I'd never seen before. What? How did that get there?
5: I take it you don't remember?
2: No! I've never had a tattoo in my life! What the hell is it? It's glowing green!
5: It's the mark of Leviathan. Maybe why you were spared while everyone else in the town went mad.
2: What is a Leviathan? It won't come off. Why won't it come off?
5: I doubt it'll ever come off. Not so long as you're one of Leviathan's chosen. Now, I could lie to you, tell you to stay here and everything will be fine, or you can come along with me and maybe, just maybe, I might be able to help you.
2: I don't seem to have much choice, do I?
5: No. No, you don't.
3: You have been listening to The Byron Chronicles, Season 3, Episode 2, Sam.
0: Featured in the cast were David Alt as Byron, Amanda Fitzwater as Maggie, Ellie Hirschman as Freak Show, Megan Donathan as the voices of Flame, and introducing Natalie Van Sistine as Sam Beale. Music performed by Midnight Syndicate. This episode was written and directed and produced by Eric Busby. Sound designed by Eric Busby. I'm Mark Brzee. This has been a
6: Darker Projects production.
1: This has been a Darker Projects production. Visit us on the web at
0: www.darkerprojects.com.
7: All right. So what did you all think? That was definitely an audio drama.
8: That was a thing. We just listened to a thing.
7: That's harsher. So, what? What do you two think?
4: So, what? Uh, like, sound design, uh, uh, design-wise, it was very inconsistent. It had good moments. Um, like, uh, like I really liked the um, vocal effect on uh, the kind of come play with us kind of actor. I think it was like kind of like a ghost or something like that um i i really like that sound effect i really like that vocal um but the levels were off um uh comparatively to uh, like with music sometimes fading up covering dialogue and just uh, the, uh there were a lot of s's that were very present
0: so i feel like oh, so david's our audio engineer for a lot of our stuff um, they needed some kind of compression to kill some of that. Yeah. yeah. I, yes. From the perspective of two people that do engineering at all. Like they needed some level of compression for a lot of the
7: stuff. Yeah. But I definitely have to agree with you with whatever filter that they used to achieve. I think they, in the credits, they were calling it voices of flame. Yeah. That was Creepy as I'll get out. Yeah, uh,
4: like it really it it really drawed me in to that scene and it enhanced a lot to the atmosphere that they were trying to create.
8: And more good sound design points. They they did create mood. That was a thing that they did very effectively. Absolutely. There were moments, especially with like the deeper sounds that they were doing. There were moments that they got a little jangly and they went like very harpsichord and no one gets really scared by the Adams Family harpsichord anymore. So
4: I I feel like also one of the key concepts of like sound design and and good effective sound design and layering is trying to balance out your highs and your lows. And one of the things that I've always been taught to do is to like when you're creating any kind of sound effect or uh, like any kind of mood, try to incorporate Um, different layers of highs and lows, because it creates much more of an interesting atmosphere than just having
6: rumble, rumble, rumble,
4: rumble, rumble.
6: Even with those catches in the sound effects, I actually liked listening to the story told by the sound effects and I liked the story told by the narrator. And even Byron, when he came in, um, they were far more engaging than... Uh, the sound coming from the voice actors overall.
7: Yeah, I <clears throat> I think one of the big issues for me was it felt like some of the some of the performance was spot on. Some of it I really enjoyed, but it was moments of enjoyment versus overall. Uh, a lot of the things that I was hearing, there was a lot of flatness of emotion. I know that Verity and I had both been commenting on. Just, oh my goodness. The main character actually was showing emotion in this area versus the there were people dying all around me. There was a baby getting beaten into a wall. And then this guy had a shotgun and he did this twice. And it just and then Byron sounded clearly he knows more than what about what's going on, but what is it? I guess I know this is episode two of season three of the show. But Sam's clearly not the main character, so why don't we know more about her other than the five minutes in the beginning? And Byron, obviously, we're supposed to know more about, but it it seemed kind of lost to me. I feel like a lot of that is not necessary
0: for us to too heavily cover because we are coming like three quarters of the way into a show.
7: Mm.
8: No, but one thing that is important to remember, no matter whether you're starting on episode one or if you're starting in in season three, you need to be telling a story in a compelling way. There was when you are an actor and you're presenting something, you need to think about what it is you're talking about. You need to know what it is you're talking about. There need to be peaks and valleys. You need to vary your speech. You need to actually convey if there's horror in this. And this was a horror story. This got very graphic. Not for children, kitties. Oh, uh, speaking of which, mm, if you're going to have blatant violence and horror and your character doesn't swear, what fucking planet are you from? Because, <laughs> oh no, this woman, she's attacking me. There's a baby getting murdered. Oh No. No. Fuck, what's happening? Shit. Like you there's got to be something more going on and if you're telling me about these horrors and you're not responding to them at all, even a narrator reacts and responds and goes through peaks
6: and valleys. What's interesting about that is that she did have more emotion when Byron started coming into play. So she couldn't have a conversation with herself about what she was remembering and seeing, but she could have a conversation with someone else who was not reacting to the horrible things going on around them.
8: And the one moment that she had a reaction at all, the man says, calm down. And she does, which as a woman, can I tell you how much I did not appreciate the one moment she's having an emotional reaction at all to horrible things happening and being told, no, no, you're being emotional.
7: And speaking of all the graphic stuff, including the comments about rape, the entire thing between Maggie and Sam, which I won't get into. A lot of times you can convey more horror and creepiness without blatantly stating things like. The baby was getting its head hit into the wall over and over. The sound effects like Michelle brought up are, they were great, except for this where the baby was still crying after. Yeah. So those were, they really were telling a great story. And then you you didn't need to fill in all of the details. The, The extra light that you're shining on it doesn't add to it. It takes away.
8: Yeah. I really wish that they had shown us more as opposed to telling us so much. And and that's something that's really hard to do when it comes to, to audio dramas. But I think that that's where the real magic comes in, is when you figure out how to do that with your acting and with your special effects. You
4: use your environment uh, to, to your advantage.
7: Also, would it have hurt to take five minutes to look up Tourette's Syndrome and figure out what it actually <laughs> oh. is, rather than just attribute everything to that? It was... Ugh.
8: That was really, really offensive, really offensive. Uh, I went to school with someone who had Tourette's syndrome, brilliant woman, and it does not cause you to suddenly lack all morality or not be able to resist your impulses and do something. It caused her very painful tics, muscles jerking in ways that she couldn't control. Like it, it's it's not funny. Like people want to make it be about jokes and about, oh, oh, no, it made that person say that funny thing like Bob Saget. But it's not that's not what it is. And so to to try and use that as an explanation for horrible things happening and people not being able to resist them and going mad is patently upsetting and offensive towards people who have the disease.
0: The problem that you had with it is not necessarily that they were depicting it as causing reactions to stuff. It's more that they were making fun of it. Uh,
8: They were definitely mischaracterizing what it is.
7: Yeah, It it was a gross mischaracterization. And the fact that the explanation was coming from a character who, based on everything else is happening, is clearly supposed to have a better idea of how things work. It felt really inauthentic. And that kind of drew me out. That's fair. I did feel,
0: I could feel myself... Cringing. There was a couple of cringe moments in this. Not some of them were appropriate because they were in response to the content in the way that they clearly intended. But they, yeah, that was definitely in the the o kittens thing. Maybe cringe a little bit every time I heard that. Yeah, it's a weird curse replacement. I wasn't as bad as it could have been, but it was
6: awkward. Oh, well, to throw in the towel here the the way that they had Byron be the character pointing out that that behavior was civil versus savage adds to that it's not to the same degree as actually naming that as the cause of all these horrible things but it it's just a weird thing to point out from the british guy just to throw in more stuff to what's problematic
8: and what guy's teenage wet dream is byron as a character he just shows up and he's magically got all the answers and i'm just going to be suave and be slightly patronizing towards you and british yeah, it
0: actually makes me curious about how Byron reacts and discusses with people for the rest of the show. Because, like, I was commenting in chat because we have a we run a chat for us to talk while we're doing the stuff, so we don't interrupt the content. And he reminded me a lot of a kind of slightly cheekier version of Giles from Buffy. I know that that's not quite, but like the, something about the voice and the way that he spoke conjured that kind of an image.
6: The library quality of his knowledge definitely mirrors a Giles kind mm-hmm. of character.
8: I'm getting a strong Mary Sue feeling from this guy. I have a feeling that if we'd listened to more, he would just magically know about all of these different things and be an expert in so many different things. I
0: feel like that's true for a lot of shows that have uh, magic or fantasy elements to it. There's almost always one character that's kind of like the Gandalf that magically fixes things. Although Gandalf didn't always magically fix things.
8: And that's less interesting a story.
7: That's fair. I agree. No, I, I was just thinking Deus Ex off occasionally. All right, let's talk, uh,
0: do some individual stuff. Michelle, I want to hear your thoughts on this.
6: So I do want to talk a little bit more a little bit more about story because at the beginning, I didn't feel like I was buying in and we are a few seasons in uh, at this point. But I felt like I was finally getting caught up when the horrible things were happening and more engaged in what was happening because of the sound effects that we've talked about. Um, hearing some of the horror and feeling that because of it. Um, and then finally, by the end, when we get to Byron, it's a bit of a break in that and we get to refresh again and we get some emotion from our narrator. And then it's the end of the episode and you are wondering, well, what do they do? Where Where is this going next? So there there is, there is a nice narrative build in terms of the overall sound um, to the episode that does make me curious about where it could go. David,
4: so big part of it was, and I uh, touched on it at the beginning. Um, uh, just kind of overall inconsistencies with um, with sound design was my biggest issues. There were definitely some great moments, but I'm gonna have to say that it detracted from it just a little bit. Things they didn't feel as natural to me. Um, there were a lot of just just kind of like uh, like uh, like. Uh, ah it's so hard to be behind the mic <laughs> <laughs> um but a lot of it was was that uh there there were vocal effects that were just all over the place like uh, like in terms of like reverb on certain characters um and not the same reverb on other characters like Is that because of the environment that they're in? Is that because Byron is like somehow like in that character's mind? Uh, I don't really know, but there is that inconsistencies there. And it kind of confused me on first listen. Um, I am interested in seeing where it goes. Like if I were to go back to the first episode, But, um, from just this listen, I'm less interested in it.
8: I feel like, uh, I should have the, I need to speak to your manager haircut because I have so many problems with this and, and I respect how difficult it is to do a good audio drama and tell a good story. And yeah, by the end of it, sure. Maybe, maybe you want to know what's going to happen next, but, between their embracing of graphic violence just for shock value, which is what it feels like it is for, as opposed to this is really motivating the story. Like you don't, there are lines. You can create lines of what's going to make it compelling versus what's trying to establish shock. Um, and the the really wanting there to be clearer emotions from, from the narration. And what I've already spoken about, about kind of maligning a uh, uh, psychological disorder. Um, I'm also going to talk about the fact that there is very clearly some kind of demonizing in in Maggie of the kink community, because they are very clearly trying to show her as getting off on this attack and violence. And is that necessary? What is that achieving? Like, what what are we doing here? And what Why does it always have to be some sort of sexual-based attack that has to motivate a female character? Is that necessary?
7: Max? Well, uh, a lot of what I would have brought up has already been mentioned. So the thing that I'd like to really try to shine a little light on is this felt to me like someone or several someones had a bunch of really great ideas. And some of them came through in that initial draft, But there wasn't enough editing. There weren't people there to either look and cut away areas that were problematic, correct problems that were there, or possibly they just didn't know what to look for. And I know that that's been something that's really helped me in the, the work that we've done on our own stuff, because listening to all of these other productions, I'm trying to think of... What is it that they're doing that we're not? And what are they doing that we shouldn't be doing? And maybe it just requires a broader perspective. Maybe it requires someone coming in from the outside and looking at it with a fresh set of eyes. But there were the bones of this were really good. And I think a lot of it came through. I like the idea behind the story. It did definitely have that creepy Lovecraftian feel to it, which is, as far as I can tell, what they were going for. But the way it sat... It left me wanting, so it was okay. I don't think I'd go out of my way to listen to more. So the
0: first thing I want to point out is I was very confused at the beginning of this story for one reason. When this was first recommended to me to add to Audio Drama Showcase by someone in the audio drama community, I was told this was a superhero story. (laughs) And I mean, like I, I knew before the recording today that it was not because I talked to the creator and they'd listed it as horror, like supernatural horror, which is very accurate. But I there's still part of my brain that was going, well, maybe there's going to be like a superhero that yeah, it didn't happen at all. Um, so if you know of any good superhero stories that we should be covering, please let us know.
7: Maybe a John Constantine. So comic book, but not superhero.
8: Yeah,
0: I think so. That's probably more accurate it did have a little bit of a John Constantine feel
8: who is definitely not a superhero. Yeah. He's quite an anti-hero.
0: So I enjoyed aspects of this show. I think it could have some really good horror elements to it. And there was a lot of parts of the episode that made me think it was genuinely creepy. Like I I remember responding very immediately to some of the implications that there were or the sound effects or certain aspects to it, but overall it kept losing that creepy build-up by doing something that made me go, huh? So it's it's kind of, it's a really weird mix there. Like there's certain parts of it that I'd love to see more of, like the tension building that they're doing throughout the entire process. Um, I also felt like it wasn't really released. It was kind of like the tension was built up and then it was just kind of like plateaued there and then they just kind of talked about the tension and then the episode ended. So uh, like I didn't, it was, I'm not going to say it not going to say it. Okay. Say it. It was like the horror blue balling
3: effect. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I, I, that hurt almost. Like if you're trying to do that, that's perfectly fine. But it had a lot of horror tension build and not a whole lot of, and I think it's partially because so much of the the actual things happening were described and not happening like you were talking about, which doesn't have the same kind of release that, I mean, like, imagine if you were watching, uh, like, Psycho, for example, where there's all this buildup, and then they cut away, and it's at the police station, and they're like, yep, he murdered her. <laughs> like, that's not, it's not the same thing as actually experiencing it.
7: So you're saying that you experienced a fright tease. Yeah. A fright tease. That's a good word for it, too, or a phrase
0: for it. So that, I mean, like, its it's not that I don't see potential in this kind of show, and clearly, and they're doing it for three seasons, so people are enjoying this. And it's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's that there's a lot of things that I would like to see improve. Like narration can work if you're doing it correctly. I feel like their model for doing narration did not work. And it's because a lot of the things, in a horror story especially, you cannot describe the horror if it has an audio component. Like and even in like a Lovecraftian story, the worst Lovecraftian stories are the ones where he goes... And then the monster punched him in the face. Like, it's not, <laughs> yeah, You have to imply something and give people's imagination something to go, go a place.
8: Rats in the Walls was so terrifying because of the noise that you're hearing and not because of what you're seeing.
0: Correct. And so narration can damage stuff. And I, I feel really bad for saying that because story time has a lot of narration. I mean, as we start releasing other stories under Legendsmith that don't have narration because they're not traditional fairy tales. I understand the difficulties of taking a story and trying to do stuff without doing narration. It's it's far easier to do it that
7: way and less, harder to mess up. But man, in this case, it it really stole from part of the horror. And even with story time, at least as long as I've been involved in it, we've been very conscious of the fact that you don't want to over-explain things in this audio format. And I know that we've taken pains when going through scripts to try to take out as much of that as possible and turn it into dialogue wherever we can.
0: Well, I agree. We do. And it's, it's because of things like this, explaining, what is it? What is the phrase? Show it, don't tell it. And that's definitely something that I coming away from this. I can, I can feel in my soul that if they had shown more, this could have this had the potential of being a, just a really good kind of horror tension build.
4: Yeah. Uh, and like, like, just using that environment to your advantage. It's a creepy story. Go with it.
7: It, it hits like a power snake. Oh power snake. Oh, kidding. <laughs> That's actually really good. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, what was it? Uh, Hellfire S'mores. Hellfire S'mores? Devilishly delicious. Hellfire S'mores. Devilishly delicious. Or devilishly sacrilicious. Devilishly
0: sacrilicious. That could be fun. So, we've been working on a lot of fake commercials for the new show that we're running. E-Core. Just so you
8: can do that voice.
0: Yeah, well, I really like this voice. And it's, it's, it's pretty voice. great. It's a really <laughs> fun voice. Yeah. Um, so, the, the idea is that it's, eventually we're going to want to have advertising sponsors. And we want to have these fake commercials in the spots that they're going to be so that the show's flow feels the same when eventually we start adding ads to it. So, we're going to be playing around with a bunch of them. If there's any fun fake commercial ideas that you want to kick us uh
7: message or post on facebook tweet at us we don't really care it's fine do not show up at the door at three in the morning drunk
0: that is definitely something that i would not appreciate but
7: other than that
0: all right so do we want to skip over to the to the outro
8: wait was it a good way to end i kind of was that an ending just, just like the episode <laughs> I'm like are we done and is that cut. an end
0: Well is there anything else that people feel like they want to discuss that we
8: haven't covered I, I don't I don't know like we we it was like in the middle of someone talking and then we're done and and that's that actually seems really appropriate for that episode no never mind I end scene and scene <laughs> if I, we can all feel <laughs> unsatisfied together That was Sam
0: from the show the Byron Chronicles to find out more go to Eric Busby. That's B-U-S-B-Y presents.com This was Audio Drama Showcase. For more episodes and information, go to www.legendsmithproductions.com Thanks for listening. High five. We made it. Oh, kittens!
7: Yeah.